Ephesians 5, 15 through 17. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming this time because the days are evil. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what will of the Lord is. Good evening. Glad everyone can make it out to support the young men tonight. I know I don't really qualify as a young man that much anymore, but uh, I'm glad they let me come out and you know, enjoy this, this evening with, with them and serving the Lord. I'd like to thank the elders for this opportunity for us to conduct the service. I know you expect a lot out of us, and we want to make you proud as well as making the Lord proud. Well, as you know, tonight we're going to discuss the value of time. And before we get started, I have three questions I want to ask. First of which, how much time is in a day? Well, that's easy. There's 24 hours. All right, let's break it down a little bit further. There's 1,440 minutes within a day. Let's break it down a little bit further. There's 86,400 seconds within a day. It's a lot of time. Would you think so? You know, that's a, that's a good chunk of time to take care of the things that we have planned for within a day. Next question, what is time? Time is something that the Lord has created for us. He has given us this, this thing that we can handle day-to-day tasks. Okay? Third question. This one's pretty important. I want you to listen to this one. How are you using your time? Which brings us to our points. First off, we have the gravity of time. Second, we have the wasting of time. And third, we have the redeeming of time. So the gravity of time. We are discussing the severity of time. How precious time is. Do we, do we fully grasp the gravity of time? We, we know that we have a certain amount, and then once that's up, it's gone. It's done. You know, April 1st of 2017 is gone. It will never happen again. Today is April 2nd, 2017. Once this day is over and the clock starts over again, April 2nd, 2017 is gone. It's not happening again. We'll get another April 2nd, but it'll be of a different year. Do we fully grasp the gravity of time, how precious time is? Which brings us to our first point, how life is temporary. If we look in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16 through 18, we read, For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet our inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction is but a moment, worketh for us a, a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Let that sink in. The things that we view as humans, the things which are seen. We look at our houses, we look at our cars, we look at our clothes, we want everything nice, pretty, and neat. But think about how temporary that is. How often do you get a new car? Is it every couple of years? Is it every year? Are you one of those people that, okay, look, I've got 10,000 miles on it, I've gotta get a new car. This one's worn out. It's dated. But are we looking at the things which are not seen, our spiritual things? Are we looking at our soul? Do we, do we examine ourselves day by day? Are we focused on the things which are seen or not seen? 
Are you focusing on this earth, which is temporary? As we know, as things constantly change within our environment, are we looking at the things which are not seen? Are we focused on heaven? Have you seen heaven? I know you haven't because you're still here on earth. We have to look to the Bible to renew ourselves spiritually. Also in James chapter 4, verse 14, we see that life is but a vapor. It, it asks a question within that verse, what is life? Life is but a vapor. It appears for a little time and then vanishes away. I know there's a lot of ladies here that love to cook, and I've tasted your cooking, and it is fantastic. So when you're cooking, you're either making a, a pot of spaghetti or you're making a soup. Whenever you have your liquids in there boiling, you know there's a steam that comes out, correct? I've done a little cooking, so I know this. But when you see that steam slowly rise out of the pot, how, how long is it there? A couple seconds. Maybe if you got it really hot, maybe five seconds. But then what happens? It disappears. Same with smoke on a fire. You have smoke coming up. How long is it there? Depends on the size of your fire. You got a big fire, it might be there a couple minutes. But what happens at the end? It disappears. It vanishes away. Brothers and sisters, that's how life is. Life is very temporary. It's not here very long. Do we respect the gravity of that? Which moves us to our next point of life being unknown. If we turn to Proverbs chapter 27, verse 1, it reads, Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. That should speak volumes to us. We plan and plan for things that we want to go on this weekend or next month or during the summer vacations, Christmas vacations. We plan and plan and plan. Is it going to hurt your feelings if those plans don't happen? Well, it depends. Did you already put down a down payment for a condo? Have you already put forth money? Have you already laid things aside for what you want to happen? Are you planning? Are you putting a deposit down? Are you planning for heaven? Have you put your deposit down for heaven? Are you putting in your time for heaven? Do you respect the preciousness of time? Life is full of unknowns. We don't know what's going to happen within 10 minutes. We don't know what's going to happen within two hours. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Boast not of thyself of tomorrow. So we don't know what's going to happen. Which brings us to our next point of life is short. So we read in Psalms 90. 90 and verse 10 through 12. The days of our years are three score years and ten. And if by reason of strength they be four scores... Yet is there strength, labor, and sorrow, for it is soon cut off, and we will fly away. We know the power of thine anger, and according to thy fear, so is thy wrath. So teach us to number our days, that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. Another powerful verse. We don't know how long we're going to live. We know of some people that didn't have a very long life may not have been able to have a wife or a husband or kids, been able to grow old, become a grandparent. They may live to be 70 or 80 years, and if they're truly healthy, they may live to be 100. But what happens? Life ends. That is a guarantee. That's a guarantee in life on earth. Life will end. One of the perfect examples that I know of, of a young man that went and worshiped here with us, Andrew Archer. 
about three years ago, around this time, his clock ran out. But before, approximately three weeks before that, he decided to put on Christ because he was raised in the church. He knew what he had to do. He knew the severity of time. He knew that life was going to end one day. Did he know it was going to be three weeks after he put on Christ? No, he did not. None of us did. But he decided to put on Christ because he had a great father leading him. I loved Andrew. He was a great kid. He was always full of adventure, always looking to have a good time. And I thank Eddie for letting us be a part of his life. But we... That is a perfect example of the gravity of time. It is temporal, it is unknown, and it is very short. So that, that puts so much more stress on the importance of looking to God and following his will. Which brings us to our next point, the wasting of time. How often do we waste time? Be honest, do it all the time. Now I'm going to harp on the youth group, just because y'all are younger. Famous word, procrastination. When it comes to schoolwork, how often do you use that word? I procrastinated. Oh, mom, I got a test tomorrow. I got to study. How often do we just sit back? I'd rather not have my face stuck in a book. I'd rather not be calculating up math. I'd rather not be doing a history project. I want to hang out with my friends. Let's go to the movies. Let's go bowling. Let's do something other than schoolwork. Am I right? I know I'm right because I was there. So, brings us to our next point, being unwise. Wasting time can be unwise. In Exodus chapter 20, verse 12, it says, Honor thy father and mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord hath given thee. Another hard part that I'm going to stress to the youth group, how often do you want to admit that your parents are right? Not often, because I was there. We hate to admit them when, when we're wrong as humans. It's in our nature. We don't like being wrong. We want the other person to be wrong. We want to be the one that's right. When your parent says, don't speed, don't text, don't drink and drive, they mean it because they love it. They love you. They want you to have a long life upon this earth. Have I text and drive? Yes. Have I sped? Yes. Have I drank and drive? Nope. Did that put my life in danger doing those things? Yes, it did. Did it put other people's life in danger? Yes, it did. But the reason why my parents always taught that to me was because they loved me and they wanted me to have a long life. They wanted me to be safe. Just because I didn't listen didn't mean I didn't understand what they were saying. Didn't mean I didn't want to listen. I just wanted to do what I wanted to do. Have I had some close calls? I know my parents are looking at me. Yes, I've had close calls. Have I learned from that? Yes, I have. Do I text and drive that often? Hardly ever now. Because it scared me to death. Wasting time can be unwise with your spiritual soul. You only get one shot at life. You're too busy wasting it on foolish things. If you're being unwise with your time, it could cost you your soul, which brings us to our next point of being unprofitable with your time. In Matthew chapter 25, we come to a famous story where you have, a, I'm not going to read the whole, the whole story. It's verses 14 through 30 if you ever want to go back and look at it, but we're going to do a brief review. 
In verse 14, you have a master and he has three servants. He calls his servants up to him and says, look, I'm going to give one of you five talents, I'm going to give you the other two talents, and I'm going to give the third person one talent. And it says in verse 19, and after a long time, the master of those servants came back. He came back to check on the progress. He wanted to see what they had done with the talents that he had given them. Well, it went pretty well for the first two. First, the first one had, had his five, went out, he made five more. He doubled it. He was profitable. Master said, good job. Second one comes up. He had two talents. He went out and doubled it, so now he has four. Master said, good job. Proud of you. Well, the third one comes along. We read in verse 24. Then he which had received one talent came and said, Lord, I knew that thou, were, thou art a hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown, and gathered where thou hast not strawed. I was afraid and went and hid thy talent in the earth. Is that what we're going to tell God, you know, come judgment day? I was afraid to take a chance. I was afraid to do your will. You think that's what he's going to want to hear? Well, he's going to be like, well, I'm afraid you're not allowed into heaven. That's what he's going to tell you. Now let's look at what the master had to say. Verse 26, and, the, the, and his Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant. What do you think God's going to say to you? You wicked and slothful servant. He's not going to let you win because you were afraid. Yes, he had that one talent. He didn't lose it. But he didn't use his time wisely. He was unwise, and therefore he was unprofitable. Now, being unwise and unprofitable can lead us to something else, which is being unappreciative of what we have. In Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 6 through 8, we read, neither, neither said they, where is the Lord that brought us out of the land of Egypt and led us through the wilderness and through the, and through the land of the deserts and of pits and through drought and of the shadow of death, through a land that no man passeth through where no man dwelt? Verse 7, And I brought you into a plentiful country to eat the fruit thereof and the goodness thereof. And, but when ye entered, ye defiled my land and made thine heritage an abomination. Verse 8, The priest said not, Where is the Lord? And, then, and they that handled the, the law knew me not, and the pastors also transgressed against me, and the prophets prophesied by Baal and walked after the things that do not profit. Is that not a slap in the face to God? You have these Egyptians who the Lord had delivered through so many perils, so many wicked things, so many dangerous things, and he delivered them. And what did he do? He ended up giving them a land that was perfect for them. It had food. It had all the necessities for life. And what did they do? They turned away from him. They were unappreciative of what the Lord had given them, the 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 prophets, the priests, they all turned against God. They started to prophesy by a false God. Is that not a slap in the face to our Lord? Yes, it is. Is that what we're doing with our time? Are we taking advantage of it? Are we just saying, well, he's given us this time. I can do what I want with it. Are we unappreciative of what he's given us? This land that we can come together right now to, to open up his word and study his word without fear of persecution? Slap in the face to God, is it not? Another way that we waste our time is being unable to change. In John chapter, four, chapter 9, verse 4, it says, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. Let that sink in. I must work 
the works of him that sent me. I must obey the word of God. I must do the commands that he has set before me. While it is day, while I am alive, while I'm here upon this earth, while I have the strength to do his will, for the night cometh. What is the night? That is death. That is the end of time. That is when the hourglass tips over, clock is out, the end. When no man can work. You cannot work when your time is up. It's like a lot of these shows. I know one I, I like to watch is Forged by Fire. They have a certain amount of time to create something, to do something, with, and they have a task set before them. When that time is up, they have to stop. They say, time's up, stop working. That's when the night comes, our clock is up. Our time is up. So are you going to respect the gravity of time? Are you going, or are you going to be wasteful? Are you going to be unwise, un, unwise, unprofitable, unappreciative, and unable to change because you've wasted your time? Or are you going to respect the severity of time by redeeming it? Which moves us to our next point, the redeeming of time. To make use of your time. Brings us to our first point, aware of God's will. In Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 17, as Zach read a moment ago, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Wherefore, be, be not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is, but not... Oh, that went too far. Are we aware of God's will? Have we taken the time to understand what he expects of us? He has given us the opportunity of life on earth, to be born within going off on a little tangent, we are very blessed in the fact that we were born into a spiritual family. We have come together as a spiritual family. If you didn't care about this family, you wouldn't be here tonight, which speaks volumes for those who decided not to come. Are they aware of God's will? Are they aware of the severity of time? Because they're not using their time wisely by not being here, not putting forth the time to be with other Christians? Are we aware of what God wants us to do? And are we aiding the lost? In Colossians chapter 4, verses 5 and 6, we, we read, Walk in wisdom toward them that are without, redeeming the time. Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how ye ought to answer every man. How do you aid someone? What is the definition of aiding someone? You want to make them better. You want to help them, either physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually. How do you aid someone spiritually? Just like verse 6 says, let your speech be seasoned with, let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt. You want to speak in a way that is pleasing to someone. You don't want to approach them and say, I know you're not a Christian, you're lost. I'm sorry, but you're not going to make it into heaven. That's the best way to deter someone. You need to go up to them and approach them with love and kindness, compassion. They may not know the Bible. They've probably never heard of God's word. Are you going to approach them and say, sorry, you're not going to make it? No, you're going to approach them with love and kindness and show them God's way. Show him you're going to make them aware of God's will so that they can go forth and aid other that are lost. 
And most of all, when you're redeeming your time, you need to have action for God. In Proverbs chapter 16, verse 3, it says, Commit thy works unto the Lord, that thy thoughts shall be established. Commitment. I know everyone here knows what that word means because they've applied it in their life at one point in time. Those who are married, you committed to your spouse. Those who have friends, are you committed to your friends? You want to help them out? You committed to your family, your brothers and sisters, mother, father, aunts, uncles, cousins. Are you committed to helping them if they call on you? Are you committed to your job? Are you committed to the church? Are you committed to God's will? Are you committed to aiding the lost? And are you committed to have action for God? I can't answer any of those for you. You have to reflect on your life. Have I respected the gravity of time? Have I wasted my time? And, thir- and my last point is, have you allowed God's direction? Have you allowed him to direct your life? A man's heart, in Proverbs 16, verse 9, it says, A man's heart deviseth his way, but the Lord directeth his steps. I know everyone here knows what a GPS is. First off, I know you've got a smartphone, because just about everyone here has a smartphone nowadays. And I know within that smartphone, 100% of the time, there's a GPS on it. And if you don't know how to work it, I'm about to tell you. You have your location. You type it in. That's where you are right now. You have your destination, where you want to go. You type that in. You click start, and it gives you the fastest, best route to your destination. How do you have your spiritual GPS set? What's your location? Your location is here right now. Where's your destination? I hope it's heaven. I hope it's heaven. How are you going to get there? Here's your GPS. Here's how you're going to get to heaven. God is going to direct your path. We have discussed the gravity of time. We have discussed the wasting of time. And we've also discussed the redeeming of time. And when we, now that I'm about to conclude this lesson, I'd like for you to look at 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 8 and 9. I'll make this quick. But beloved, be, be not ignorant of one thing, that, that one day is with the Lord a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slacking concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering to us, we're not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Not that any should perish, but all, A-L-L, should come to repentance. God, with time, it, do, it doesn't matter to him. One day can seem as a thousand years, and a thousand years can seem as one day when it comes to eternity. The gravity of time, the wasting of time, the redeeming of time. How are you using your time?